In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. Might solve a mystery or rewrite history. This is the story we needed to write as we kept out of sight for no I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Dr. Cody Havard is a professor of sports commerce and the director of research in the Kemmons Wilson School at the University of Memphis and engages in work around sports rivalries and fandom. And he has, he has extended, I should say, his passion for how fans engage with their topical interests, specifically within the world of Disney, uh, within many venues, including a class, the Being a Fan of Disney podcast, and now, drum roll please, the Being a Fan of Disney, the book. Uh, today, Cody returns to Notably Disney to discuss how he translated the lessons from his curricular and podcast experiences into a title that you can hold in your hands or read on a device. Uh, welcome back, Cody. Great to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me back. Um, this is a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed the first time, so I'm looking forward to this time. Me too. Yeah, and we've been on one uh, each other's shows, and yeah. I've followed your journey of uh, developing many, many podcast episodes. Um, many dozens uh, are kind of in that same boat where we're over the hundred mark, right? So, yeah, um, pretty. It's a it's a commitment, and uh, certainly on our in our prior conversation, you shared with me to some extent the development of your course, uh, and then the the podcast in tandem. But I'm wondering at what point in your process of, of this journey, uh, did you actually develop the idea to translate ideas and experiences and lessons into a book format? That's a that's a good question. And it kind of comes from um, first, you know, it feels a little bit weird that this book is it's about the class. It's about the podcast and it's about my fandom. Um, and so in a, in a way, you know, it kind of feels a little awkward that I'm writing about my fandom for other people to read. Um, but there's a few reasons for it. And I, I try to lay it out in the book that I feel like one, um, I'm in a pretty unique situation where I, much like you, we are in situations where we 
have the creative freedom to do things like this. Um, I, since 2018, have been able to teach this really, really fun class. Um, and so because of that, I've allowed myself to kind of deep dive into my fandom. And that that has led to, you know, that leads to the class that's gone into my writing, into my research. Um, and so I thought, you know, there there's a unique story here from that perspective about this class and about the podcast. Um, the second reason is I think that everyone, if they want, um, should be able to tell their story. Uh, one thing I like doing, I don't do it every semester, but one thing I like talking to the students in my classes about is, you know, if you were writing an autobiography or if there was a movie made of your life so far, what would it be um, to get people kind of thinking about that? Um, and, you know, it's in some way it's it's the old practice of journaling um, or I think a lot of people use social media to do it now. But, you know, I think people have stories to tell. And if you want to tell that story, go ahead and do it. Um, and then, you know, just because I, when I started diving more into my fandom, um, I realized that to kind of show people that, hey, here's another person that has, you know, joining the thousands of books about Disney. And if you would like to do this, go ahead and do this because I feel like I have a unique situation, but you know, everybody in some ways has a unique situation um, and a unique fandom and stories to tell. And so I, I think it came from that, um, this, this thought that I wanted to display my fandom. I wanted to describe the class and the podcast. Cause I do think that is a unique aspect. Um, and then I wanted to show other people that, if this is something you're interested in, um, you know, put your thoughts to paper. Um, people do it through paper, podcast, blogs, everything. So um, it's a really, really fun and creative process and to to get to do it. So, well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head here. There are so many mechanisms now more than ever for folks to channel their expertise, their passions. And what I find unique about your situation and, and by virtue of your role as a as professor is that you, you cross these boundaries between uh, academia and also fandom, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and your the content that you create and make sense of uh, can be leveraged, if you will, across different spaces. So it seems like that's that's a unique position that you're in that you're um, and that you can communicate to a variety of audiences, not just, you know, undergraduate students or uh, folks who would identify as intellectuals in air quotes, but also, you know, folks who are, are are fans first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think one one thing that I've realized um, in speaking with you, speaking with other people, being part of the 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 Disney, um, Disney research um, and culture society um, that, you know, people are fans first and foremost, <clears throat> and then like, we kind of have our day jobs. Um, and so when you allow something that you are a fan of to infiltrate your daily routine, it makes you a more happy person. Um, and the whole purpose of the class 
and I write about it in the book, hopefully people get from it, is the whole purpose is if you are a fan of something and it does not negatively impact you or someone else, for instance, um, you know, if someone's in a cult, that's that's a situation that they can't get out of on their own most of the time, out of their own free will. So that's not a good situation to be in. Um, if you are a fan of something that is negatively impacting or actively hurting someone else, that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, but if if neither of those are happening, then it's making you a, a more happy person that helps you in your interactions with others. And hopefully it helps you become, be a better member of society um, to a larger degree, you know? So anyone has the capacity to be able to do that. And so if, if, if fandom is something that makes someone happy and it's not hurting themselves or someone else, then as I say in the book, fandom on, because it's, it's something that is fun um, and ultimately helps that individual and, and people around them. Well, and I guess maybe as a natural segue um, in chapter 11, you focus on Disney fandom and group membership. So what does it mean for you to be an active part of the Disney fan community who's contributing new content by virtue of the podcast, now the book, um, certainly you're talking about um, these uh, associations and, and spaces that have developed this forthcoming uh, interna- was it International Journal of Disney Studies. There's mm-hmm. there's a, a variety of different spaces where it's manifesting. So what does it mean for you to not only be a consumer, but also a producer? It's really, when, when you think about it, um, it's really cool. Um, it's some of it's overwhelming that like, you know, you kind of have that, that thought who, if I can do this, anybody else can do this. Or in other words, you know, why, like, um, why am I lucky enough to be able to, to do this? Um, I look at other people who create content, um, and I look to them and I look up to them and admire what they do. I really on some level, um, I, I don't really think of myself as like someone who is um, at the forefront of creating things. You know, everybody is doing such really, really cool things. Um, there are people who are in the parks all the time um, and are doing live feeds or YouTube videos for people that like us that, that can't go all the time. Um, there are people who, you know, they have uh, weekly podcast releases or, or, you know, bi-weekly podcast releases like, like yourself, my podcast is, you know, whenever I have something interesting to say, or I have worked out the schedule with, um, a visitor, a friend of the class, as I call them, then that's when it releases. Um, and, and I've done that so that I don't put myself in a position where it's, it's coming up on, you know, some deadline like oh i have to put out a episode every two weeks so i don't have something to say right now what am i going to say um and really what it turns out what turns out happening is i uh for every episode that i put out especially the take one episodes the shorter ones where i i'm just kind of sharing information for every one of those i put out there's probably another four or five that that i think i would like to do um, and then I have second thoughts on or decide, no, I'm not going to do that right now. I'll kind of wait and, and see what happens. Cause a lot of those, 
um, have to do with uh, things I forgot to say in class um, on a certain topic or sometimes current events. And as you know, with current events, uh, they're, you know, after a little bit, they're not current anymore. They're, they're old events. So, um, so it, it is fun. Um, but there are many, many others that, um, I think do a really, really good job. Um, and that's what I try to, uh, relate in the book that there are people who are doing this really, really well. Um, I think of myself as a reporter, um, kind of talking about my fandom and, you know, using examples from mine and other people's fandoms to kind of talk about this. Now, one really fun thing is I do study group behavior um, and the the rivalry aspect, how group how the groups we identify with influence the way we view others and the way we treat others. Um, so that's that's a really, really fun thing. And so in this book, there are some stories of my fandom, like growing up as a Disney fan, going back to the parks, some really cool stories of, um, you know, I had a former Imagineer, Brian Collins, come and visit in Memphis for a few days and going around with Helm. Um, a story about uh, someone, someone in um, close that they actually have, they make their house like Haunted Mansion on every Halloween. Um, so I have stories like that that are really cool and getting to meet the Dreamfinder. But then uh, I do because of, as I say in the book, blame it on the day job, I write about group identity and group membership in some aspects. Um, and in particular, there are there are two chapters that um, are kind of more focused on the research of it and trying to write it in a way that uh, is is not as technical as, you know, we would, if I would, I would write it, if I was writing like a academic article or something, something that's a little more um, understandable for everyone. And I, I hope I do a good job at writing that way, because that's the way I like to speak. Um, and so that's, that's what I attempted to do. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, Cody, like, I when I was reading through it, um, it almost felt like I was conversing with my friend, and that's where it's it's nice in, in terms of being able to, uh, we, we, I would say like Disney people, if we want to call us in a group, like there's a cer certain language and understanding of characters, of places, of terms that just feel so familiar. So mm -hmm. as a consumer uh, of this and the position that I am, it's 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 like I'm talking with with a buddy who 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 is familiar with the the tenets and the common conversation pieces in the Disney space. But then there's also the notion of that you are, you're a contributor, you're offering something unique through offering a Disney class. And we've talked prior, um, you know, you are certainly not alone in that and that there are other universities that have Disney courses uh, that look at it from this perspective, um, but they're still few and far between. And then you also approach it from the lens of, as you're talking about group behavior and fandom and, and interactions. And I think that offers a, a unique lens for, for how you navigate the space that you are also um, adding to over time. Um, yeah. And, go ahead. And thanks for that. Uh, the, I, I, I appreciate you saying that um, because that was the intent is that you are talking with someone that, you know, you're talking with a friend or a buddy that, you know, that shares in this same interest. 
Um, and so if, uh, if at least one person feels that way, I I've succeeded. So thank you for that. <laughs> I have to say though, and I'm not sure if it's, if it's, uh, evolved since the earlier iteration that I looked at, I don't know if I've ever seen so many smiley faces in a book. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about your your choice to incorporate that. <laughs> the um, I you know what's so funny is when I message people or like I, I text people or anything like that, I I try to do like the smiley faces, but I don't I don't do the emojis that that are like everybody sends now. I send like the colon dash open or close parentheses, like that's that's what it is, um, and so. I think in some ways it's it's a way to show that you know I'm I'm really excited about this um and and it is it, I I haven't counted them but I would imagine um if there's some contest for one the number of smiley faces and the number of of parenthetical statements um I'm probably ranking in the top 10 or 15 on a list of that um because you know it, it's it's a way to show that and it's also like i also include a lot of parenthetical statements um and those i describe in the book as they're my inner voice because when i talk that's the way that i speak um that's the way i'll talk in class that's the way i speak if i'm presenting somewhere if i'm just having general conversation you know, it's kind of that you, you say something and then sort of, you know, side note or maybe under your breath a little bit or something like you're you're saying something else or adding something to that. Um, and so I use those as a way to to kind of show this is the way that I communicate. If you were taking this class with me, this is the way that I would communicate. Um, it's hopefully people enjoy it. I know some it's probably not for everyone. Um but you know that's that's the way that I do it, and the the last reason is um, I can kind of poke fun at myself. Also, you know, I say in the book that if you enjoy something, if you love something, you can be critical of something. Also, for like Disney, you can love Disney, but also know that at times Disney has not delivered in the way that maybe you or others would have wanted. Um, you know, they've made a lot of advances. At times, they they have definitely received criticism um, and, and just criticism, and so you can love something and you can uh, criticize it or you know kind of poke fun at it. Um, and I even say that it, that's the same. I you know I love myself, so I can make fun of myself also. Um, so that's that's another reason that I think I include those. And in that same breath, in terms of bringing out your personality at different points in the book, you you illustrate uh connections you feel to characters and favorite attractions and experiences and and all of that it makes me think about what you mentioned of captain america and how he was the the mcu character that you most identify with um and i, I actually would say too same for me um out of the marvel characters i mean i just want to be chris evans let's be real but uh, he's the <laughs> character that i identify with on on different fronts and it makes me wonder how the values and characteristics of a Captain America, if you will, influence your personality in terms of maybe how you frame the book, but also your approach as a professor. Because I imagine that the, the characters and 
um, experiences that we hold really dear also uh, manifest in different ways and in different contexts. Yeah. And I mean, that's right. I I think in specific to like a character like Captain America and and now that the MCU has expanded, I, I always have to say Steve Rogers, Captain America or Captain America, Steve Rogers, because there are, you know, there are multiple now. Um, and my experiences would, you know, be more um, kind of balanced with with a, a Steve Rogers character. And so I one thing that I really, really like about him and I write in the book that I don't think I am Captain America, Steve Rogers. Um, that seems like a very lofty. Um, you know, like I would have a very hold myself in very high regard, which, which, you know, maybe isn't unnecessary, maybe isn't necessarily totally incorrect, but, um, I, I am writing a book about it by the, I mean, so, you know, you, you have to kind of, you have to point that out that, um, but I admired the way that he, kind of treats others and thinks others should be treated. Um, That one of the things really before, one of the early things I started doing in my career was um, when we were researching rivalry starting out, it was all from a promotional perspective. How do we promote? How do we market these rivalries to, to get more people to watch on television and get more people to attend games, things like that. Um, And it wasn't long into the process that I realized the way that these are promoted really speak to or really influence how people react to each other. And so, you know, we started looking at better ways to promote rivalries and better ways to promote competitions. And through that, we actually, um, I guess my first foray into doing something a little more, doing something creative was we developed um, a sport rivalry man character. Um, and it was a, it, it was a comic book. And so we actually have the, the comic, if anybody's interested, I'll send you the link to that as well. If anyone's interested, they can go and find the adventures of sport rivalry, man, where he talks about different ways to appropriately treat someone, um, that's from a rival team or, or, or a rival group or something like that. And so that was one of the first things that kind of came about because, I have a firm belief that we all should try to treat each other better. Um, I also believe that in that attempt, um, we try to be a better person and we constantly fall short of that. It doesn't mean we fail at it, but we constantly fall short of that. But that means that, you know, tomorrow and the next day and the next day, you try to be better than you were the day before and you try to be a more kind person um, than you were the day before. And I think that's, a lot of what Steve Rogers, Captain America character did in the MCU. Um, he stood up for what he believed in, even when his view, his worldview had to change. Um, and, you know, Captain America, the winter soldier, and then really in Captain America, the civil war or civil war, he is standing up for people. He thinks need help that need, you know, that maybe can't stand up for themselves. Um, he is standing by his friends. He's making a moral judgment based on what he believes is right. And I think that's something that's very, very important. And so that's what I 
like I said, I don't think I am him. I would like to be more like him. Um, you know, I think there's, there are other characters that I think um, kind of closely embody um, a person like Loki, um, because I think a lot of people, I don't think I'm alone in this. I think a lot of people, we go through life and and we have somewhat um, selfish regards for things, but we like to try to help others. Um, so someone like Loki or even Rocket Raccoon that, you know, we are we are thinking about ourselves, but we also like to try and help others or at least think that we are trying to help others. And and so I think that kind of that pursuit of always trying to be a more kind person is is something that I like to strive for. Yeah, there's a certain humility and nobility to a Captain America character. And I think maybe that even speaks to some extent the evolution of characters in fictional contexts in that I feel like increasingly I'd be curious about your opinion as the decades have proceeded particularly in Disney films but maybe it extends to Star Wars and Marvel to some extent like characters leading characters sometimes are more anti-heroes or like they're mm-hmm. they're much more complicated right a Jack Sparrow you could view him as a hero but you could also view him as kind of like a Loki there are some selfish tendencies there's this notion of what's just do, what's best for me. Whereas, you know, it, when Captain America was uh, formed as a character many, many decades ago, many characters were more black and white in some respects. Yeah. Um, like Cinderella, right? Cinderella in the 1950 Disney film. I mean, the, the whole message is be kind and kindness yeah. is, but that's not, that's not when you, you know, when you, when you look at a more modern princess, there's, it's, there's many more layers and, and complexities associated with them so i think that's also an interesting counterpoint if you will i mean loki obviously is a much older character but uh thinking about holistically characters are very nuanced and contextual and and an increasing focus on on the identities associated with minoritized identities of of some of the leading characters too and um not that disney's um kind of uh overemphasizing that in, in the storytelling, but it's a, it's a contextual element that's worth uh, examining. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one reason why Marvel characters were so popular and became more popular than a lot of DC characters were they had problems. They had real world problems. You know, the fantastic four were they, they were fighting amongst each other all the time. The Avengers were fighting amongst each other all the time. The X-Men fighting amongst each other everybody had these kind of inner quarrels but when and they had you know their selfish aspects and they had their selfless aspects and when push came to shove they had to work together i mean that's kind of the basis of the 2012 movie the avengers that you know all of these people come together and how do you get all of these super powered beings um to to work together you know and Specific to someone like Captain America, what I think is really interesting in the MCU, the the story arc of Captain America and Iron Man, a lot of people feel kind of reversed. You know, Iron Man started and Tony Stark started in a very selfish place and at the end um, made a very selfless act, Um, whereas Captain America had lived his whole life being selfless and putting 
country before himself, putting others before himself. And so at the end, you know, it's that decision that finally he's putting himself before something else. He's putting his, you know, happiness before the mission or before helping other people. And that's an important thing too, um, that, you know, and that's why I think Marvel has been really, really good at that. And I think has been, um, they, I think has been so popular and the characters resonate so well because it's very nuanced. You know, none of us are one, you know, one particular way or another. There is a lot of nuance in the way that people, people operate. And so I think that's something people really, really enjoy. And when you look at the, the Disney animation, um, I think they're, they're starting to represent that as well. That you, like you said, you know, leading characters are more anti-heroes. Um, it's, it, it's kind of, you know, the, the person who for all the faults is thrust into a situation where they have to act, um, or they have to do something to either help themselves or help someone else. Um, and you know, something that's really interesting, um, someone who joined the show, one of the more recent episodes, um, Dr. B Eldridge, uh, she writes about the representation of motherhood in Disney princess movies. Um, and, and she, along with Dr. Robin Muir, um, they, they are some of the people who, who have put together the Disney culture or the Disney group. Um, but Dr. Eldridge writes about how motherhood is represented in these movies. And, and, her visit with me, she actually told me fairy tales. One reason fairy tales keep being remade is fairy tales are supposed to be retold so that they fit in the current time frame. And because you can garner a lot of lessons from fairy tales, and and that extends to all of these stories, you can garner a lot of lessons from these stories. And that's what that's what we try to do in the class. Like we mentioned, the MCU character that. I identify with the students have to write about what MCU character they identify with in much the same way um, because these stories will, they need to remain relevant so that new generations can consume them and, and garner the lessons that are important for them to get from those stories as well. So, yeah, I do think it's, it's a very interesting kind of um, shift, if you will, over time that, the the more nuanced stories that we're getting and the characters that we're getting now. Well, let, let's maybe transition a little because you you referenced um, the assignments and activities that your students engaged in, and you you fold that into the book uh, in terms of uh, providing segments, uh, chapters where um, you illustrate what those assignments have looked like. Can you talk about how and why you incorporated those into the class, and even potentially how you've iterated them over different uh semesters as well yeah the um so when i first started teaching the class it was uh there were two assignments there's there's always been two assignments but originally the first assignment was what disney character or attraction do you see yourself as or closely represents you what do you most identify with um and then excuse me that was the one that was replaced by the the more recent mcu character um, assignment because a lot of people really identify with with Marvel and with the MCU. Um, and then the 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 second or sorry the the last assignment that students do in the class is 
looking at Disney's impact on society, impact on their fandom, on fandom as a whole, and then on society on a larger level. And what Disney can do um, to help people, either individually as groups in their fandom or society as a whole. And because, you know, as we said, Disney has done really, really good things. They've done some not so good things in their past. You know, I mean, the company's 100 years old last, you know, at time of recording what it was last week, I think was the 100 year anniversary. By the sheer fact that they've been around 100 years, they've had a pretty significant impact on culture and on society. And some of that is good. Some of that is not so good. Um, and so the students do these assignments in class and they're a fun way to help hopefully get them to reflect on some of their answers, reflect on their personalities um, and find a way to like with the MCU project, how an MCU character can help them develop as a more rounded person in the future. Um, and so as the instructor, I'm usually asked asked that at the end of the class where we talk about that. Students can share their answers if they want. They're not required, but some do. And then students usually ask me. And so I thought this was a fun way to share not only with the students in current and future classes, but to share with other people as well, because um I have from time to time also asked friends of the class, the people who visit, who've given their time to talk on the podcast and in the class, I've asked them those questions. Um, and so this was a way that I can give my responses and kind of talk about that a little bit more as well. And it was, you know, it was a fun way to, to show that, as I say in the book, like put myself through the paces a little bit um, and, and, and kind of have to dive deeper into the reasons I identify with certain characters or certain attractions and the way I think Disney has and will impact society moving forward. I, I, I like that students have the opportunity to engage in that self-reflection. Um, I find in my work um, and in my courses that um, those can be really viable. Um, and uh, I, I definitely uh, see uh, I, the parallel, like, I don't know if anybody's ever asked me what Disney attraction I am, but I, I you know, you noted uh, as for yourself, Carousel of Progress stood out to you, and that resonates with me from the standpoint of nostalgia and, and being yeah. interested in evolution and history. Um, but I also, um, I, I, I think one consideration too, as, as readers engage in these reflections is different times in your life and different situations that you're in may dictate what your response would be. Um, mm -hmm. Because uh, the person I am now is very different than the person I'll be a decade from now or when I was a child. So yeah. I think it's kind of a fun exercise for people to think about how and why they would select answers depending on context and where they are in their trajectory. Yeah. And that's a very, very true. I think, you know, one thing that sticks with me is the nostalgia factor um, and um, some of the, the attractions that I identify or because of nostalgia. I also identify um, the Imagination Pavilion. I'm a huge fan of Figment because of what he and the Dreamfinder represent, like the, you know, kind of ever changing, ever evolving search for imagination and creativity and trying to use that. 
in, in your work um, and your daily life. I, I've actually been lucky enough to, to write about that, um, how you know we can use imagination and creative writing to kind of convey our messages, design our um, research. Um, so I, a highlight of that is I also, in a paper, and um, an academic paper got to got to write about figment. Like I, I that's kind of a, a I, I I looked at that and and thought, well, this is this is nice to check this off the list. I never thought I would get to do this. So, um, and you know, like the characters of uh, Han Solo and Indiana Jones, um, that you know, those are people that I really identify with. And going back to your earlier question about or statement about antiheroes, I mean, both of those. They're they're very anti-hero. You know, it's not um, they end up doing the right things, but they don't always go about them in the way you would think, you know, like a, a hero would necessarily go about them. Han Solo, you know, and A New Hope <clears throat> or just Star Wars when it was released. Um, obviously, you know, he he makes a decision to leave. Um, and Luke even tells him it's very selfish and, and it's cowardly and things like that. And then at when the time comes, he makes the decision to come back. Indiana Jones has, you know, long, he says he wants to get things for museums, but, you know, he also is motivated by um, some of the glory that comes with it or, or the notoriety that comes with it, you know? And I, I think that's something that a lot of people um, experience. So, since you mentioned it, um, you, you said Carousel of Progress. Is there another attraction that, that you think would embody you or a, Di or, or a Disney character or both? So here's the interesting question. I'll throw it back to you, but, I, but I'll answer your question too. Is identification with a character or, or experience or attraction, is that the same as favorite? Right, because I can see that there's distinctions. I might identify with something very strongly, but I would not necessarily consider it favorite. That's yeah, it. That's it, a good question, right? Yeah, it's it, it's a very good question, and yeah, identification does not necessarily mean favorite. Um, yeah, a lot of times when we talk about fandom, we're talking about you know who do you identify with, like what team do you identify with, what group do you identify with? Are you a Marvel reader or a DC reader? Are you uh, a Samsung person or an Apple person? And that kind of means what's your favorite brand. But when you're talking about something like this, um, if I think on the surface and what's really cool about when people spend the time doing these types of assignments, what's really cool is on the surface, a lot of people think, well, this is my favorite character. So this is this is who I'm going to say. Um. And then once you start doing a little more research on it, a little more introspective thinking on it, you start, that's when you start to tease out, well, you know, one of my favorite characters is Captain America. I don't think I am him. I want to strive to be more like him, but you know what? Um, at times, um, you know, there, there's been vanity like Loki um, or Rocket Raccoon, like the, and, and, when you do that type of deep thinking or deeper thinking, um, those things starts to come out. So yeah, there is a difference um, when you're talking about something like like this, like who do you think embodies you or you embody? 
Mm. So I'll answer your question now. So, so I'm always of the mindset with when you're asked tough questions about oneself, go with what your gut is telling you and what comes to mind very quickly. So the first character that came to mind is, have you ever seen Atlantis, the lost empire? I recent, well, I say recently in the last two years. Um, and I've only seen it one time, but yeah, I do remember some of it. <laughs> yeah. So Milo Thatch, who's the Michael yeah. J. Fox character, he's probably the character that, that comes to mind soonest. I think okay. one, we have a similar physicality. Um, but I mean, if I were an anime character in live action form, but he's, uh, he's a young professor who's wanting to go on an expedition because he has, uh, he's always heard these stories of Atlantis. He wants to fulfill his grandfather's dream. There's this notion of this inner drive that's so palpable and mm-hmm. it guides him to achieve his goal. And yet he's surrounded by people who are seeking it uh, for the context of money. They want to they want to profit yeah. off it. And he has very noble intentions and he's able to have a positive influence on his fellow uh, teammates, if you will. And um I, I think there's a, a lot of nice values that the character demonstrates. He's he's not, I wouldn't call him an anti-hero. He's a little bit flatter and, and not as developed in that sense, but um, but there's a purity to him that I think is really yeah. cool. So that's that's what comes to mind for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. And you know, that that's I don't I also invite readers or there's an audible ver there will be an audible version. So listeners. Um, to share their answers as well, because I think it's just something fun to to kind of reflect on these in a way. You know, I had one in one semester, I had a student when they were doing the MCU paper I actually said, well, this is kind of like one of those BuzzFeed quizzes. And I said, well, yeah, if you if you took the buzz, if you took the answer from the BuzzFeed quiz and you actually looked at each specific question and and kind of dove deeper into why you're answering the way that you are it it you know with any of those a lot of a lot of those kind of quizzes get panned and everything but with each one of those if somebody you know is really doing the thought provoking uh, kind of introspective on it the introspection on it then they can actually lead to kind of uncovering more information about the self. Um, and so that's that's why I think they're fun. And um, at least the students tell me they are. Um, and if anybody reads the book or listens to the book and they do it and they find it interesting, please um, share that with me. I, I talk about how to do that in the book. So it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. I also want to... Uh, honor the part of your book that's uh, threaded across different points. You you really focus on the guests that you've, uh, the friends of the class, the the guests you've had on the podcast, folks who you've engaged with over these years and developed relationships with, and across a real variety of disciplines and working for the company in a variety of ways. What are your thoughts about just the notion of reaching out to people you admire? You, you mentioned, for instance, about nerves that you had in asking author Ridley Pearson back to participate in the class. Um, obviously, he's a, a huge name in the Disney fiction world. But I, I recognize that, um, you know, you have a platform, you have a you have a, a mechanism to 
to engage with people. But how, how are you reflecting on that in your continued process and now compiling all of that in, in the fashion of this book? I I feel incredibly lucky to be able to do it. And at the same time, um, as I, and I say this in the book a few times, um, I walk away from every, excuse me, from every visit or interview, learning something new and impressed with what I have learned and also feeling a little insecure that like, did I ask the rest, the right questions? Did I, you know, uh, did I do this properly? I even say in the book, I, I don't really see myself as a, a very good interviewer, so to speak. I don't even know if I'm a very good conversationalist, but I really like it. It's something that through the Disney community, really, I gave myself the space to reach out to people and to to you know as a as a researcher that that doesn't really happen a whole lot um but when i started teaching this class i really that's why i i try to say a few times i allowed myself to deep dive into my fandom um and as someone who has researched for you know my career that's that that's my professional um life it this is something that is so i at times haven't really allowed myself to do because um you you research something almost from the outside looking in um and now i feel like i have allowed myself to be in the room more so to speak i i, I don't interact um as much as as many people do that that I write about in the book, I think people do an extremely extremely good job. I think you do a very very good job with the way that that you produce, but also promote um, your content. I think people like Stan Solo do an amazing job. John Sakari, um, I think most Disney fans lo- know about Lou Mangiello and the the, the things that he does. Um, I think people do a very very good job. I'm not sure. I fall into that boat, but I really, really enjoy getting to talk to people and and learning more about people. And so there's a specific chapter in the book where I talk about the lessons that I learned. And that's a big lesson is that um, as someone who, you know, like your professional life is researching and talking to people or surveying people on certain things. Um it's a really, really cool thing to allow yourself to be more part of that, um, you know, and that's something that you you can get a whole lot out of that. Um, early in my career, I was so focused on making sure everybody knew what I knew um, and, you know, pointing out how much information I knew. And, you know, as many people know that when you try to do that, well, it gets highlighted very, very brightly what you don't know. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, you end up walking away um, feeling you're better for it. But, you know, there there are some there there's a hurt egos um, for sure. And when I realized that not 
the pressure of not showing people what I know, but actually trying to learn was much more fun. Um, that's when things really started to change for me. Um, and that that's another thing that we talk about in the class that I try to tell the students about and and actually was lucky enough to give a last lecture, um, a, a, lex a lecture series on um, to our honor students about that, um, trying to look for knowledge, not trying to just let everybody know everything that you know, because it's more fun to 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 question things. It's more fun to be curious. I, I, I'm reminded by I'm reminded of a line in Ted Lasso where, you know, he talks about being curious, be curious, don't be judgmental, um, because being curious leads you in new directions that that you don't know where you're going to go. And that has been really, really fun. And that's been a major lesson I've learned from diving deeper into my fandom and specifically my Disney fandom, getting to talk with people and and that that have worked in the company, that have written about the company, that have done some amazing things. Um, and it's really, really fun to be able to do all of that and to learn from those people. So yeah, I appreciate all that. And I, I'm wondering in that spirit, you, you talk about lessons learned through, you know, making these, uh, developing these relationships and engaging in this line of work, teaching students. But then it makes me wonder, Cody, what does it mean for you uh, in terms of significant takeaways in having compiled all of this together into one package, right? Because essentially this is a, I'm not sure if distillation is the right word, but of years worth of, of content that you've produced, uh, courses that you've taught uh, or different iterations like what does it mean for you to have packaged all of this together and being an encapsulation of what you've accomplished you know it's that's a really difficult it's a it's a difficult thing to reflect on um because and and this is kind of this is the way i try to conclude the book is is this is all still developing, you know, it, and my fandom keeps going much like your fandom keeps going, you know, your podcast is going to keep going. My, my podcast will keep going. And, and so how do you reflect on something that is, is ever changing and will evolve? Um, and, you know, one way that I, I'm a big MCU fan, one thing that I, one way I look at it is, um, I don't necessarily know if this is phase one, but this is an early phase. You know, this, this is a, I started teaching this class in 2018. This is 2023. So five years, um, you know, where am I going to be in another five years? Where am I going to be in another two or three years? Even with the people that I talked to, um, I made an effort to touch on conversations from from everyone that I spoke to but there are so many more conversations or so many more aspects of those conversations that I didn't really get to touch on um and you know a lot of that was I I wanted to have the book be something that someone could read in, in a couple sittings or they could they could listen to um the audio book and it's not, you know, a really, really long book. Um, it's, it's a relatively 
mid-sized package that I, I think is really good. So, so it's a really, really good question. It's really, really difficult to answer because I, I hope that it keeps evolving. And I hope that um, maybe if it's not a book in the future, another book in the future, there's something else that, that comes from this. Um, and, and one thing that, one thing I would love to do is actually work with, um, and I specifically would love to work with a student on this um, and have them work through this process um, on, you know, what a, a short film about what all of this means. Um, because I was able to do that with a student who took um, my rivalry class with me. Um, and they were interested in putting together short films and putting together um, working in television. And so they actually they actually produce or they they directed and we both produced a, a short film about what sport rivalry is. I would love to do that about the Disney fandom as well. Um, and a lot of it, you know, would kind of follow what the class is and, and what we've talked about. But I I specifically want to have a student be able to do that because it also helps them kind of get their feet underneath them and, and play around in this space to, to see if they, how they want to put together a story and how they, you know, we have all the content um, being then allowing them to kind of tell the story that they want to tell of it, out of it as well. I think it would be really, really cool. And, and much like with the, the rivalry documentary uh, one really important aspect for the student was that they told a story and then they also got experience with working with someone who, you know, would tell them, well, I want this involved included. This needs to be included. This maybe not here um, and being able to do that and, and then showcase it to people. Uh, that was something that was really, really cool when we did the, the rivalry documentary is being able to have that student actually have a screening of that and, and show that I would love to do that um, for something like Disney as well. And so um, there there's that there's other ideas that that I would love to pursue. So I, I think of this as, you know, it's an early step. It's an early phase. Um, I hope to be able to do this more in the future. And some of that is based off of interest. Um, and then um, interest of others, obviously interest of myself and and people continuing to talk to me. Um, and then, you know, having the ability to share something that I love with everyone. Um, I want to continue to be able to do that as much as people want to read or want to listen or want to watch or consume in any way, you know. Yeah, I can appreciate that. It sounds like that would be a, a real natural extension of the foundation you've established in, in terms of a student spearheading a documentary or short film, something along those lines. So last but not least, how, how can people pick up a copy of being a fan of Disney, the book? How can folks follow you on social media and engage with you further? So the, um, the book is through Amazon. Um, there's a Kindle version and, and I'll, I'll send you the link that there's a Kindle version. There's a hardback version there's a paperback version and, and a, an audible version for anybody that's interested. And um, the Kindle version is, is included in the Kindle Unlimited 
I think until early January. Um, so if anybody's a member of Kindle Unlimited, they can they can have access to that. And then it's also, I, I'm, I believe it will be available for people who are members of Audible and things like that as well, that, that they can, um, you know, if you're a member of Audible, you get monthly credits and things like that. I, I think this is something you could um, purchase with those credits. And so that's how to, to see the book there. There's also the, the book is interactive. I put questions in there. I put uh, quizzes in there. I have things that I call hidden baffids that are like the, the hidden Mickeys that people love to find in the parks or even outside of the park. So in each chapter, I have a, a hidden baffid um, and it's baffid because it's being a fan of Disney. Um, and people can engage with that and they can, they can go to the website, www.sharedperspectives.org and they can input that information. They can, um, you know, they can answer the chapter quizzes or, or the, the pop quizzes. They could put in the page numbers where they found the hidden baffids. They can even download, um, if they are, a, if they found all hidden baffids, they can download a badge that says they're you know, an official hidden Baffet investigator and things like that. Um, trying to do stuff that that's fun for people to engage with. And, and also on that website, um, that is, there's information on other research I do outside of Disney as well. Um, that's kind of the, the landing spot where a lot of my work is so that people can learn about how groups, how the groups we identify with, how that influences us. And also how different fandoms influence outgroup behavior, um, you know, like a, a fandom like Disney or Marvel comics or um, science fiction like like Star Wars. Those elicit somewhat positive feelings toward the outgroup, whereas they're, you know, um, setting such a sport or um, online gaming, politics, religion. They can be things that um, elicit negative uh, views of the out group. And so there, that information's on there as well. Um, to engage with me, um, I'm on, I'm on Facebook. You can look up Cody Havard. Um, I'm on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Um, my handle is C Havard PhD. Um, cause I used to send out a lot of stuff to classes about that. Um, I'm on Instagram with, with Cody Havard. Um, and, you know, that please, anybody who reads it, please reach out with, with feedback. Please reach out with um, fun stories. I, I, I love to hear about people's journeys and about people's fandoms. And so one, another kind of added benefit of this book, hopefully, or outcome of this book, hopefully is, is finding more fans and finding more people to talk with visit with the class and the podcast. Um, but also, you know, and if there's a future book, maybe, maybe that, but, but also just, just meet people because one of the really, really cool things from all of this has been meeting all the people I've been able to talk to meeting you. We've talked a few times. That's, that's been amazing getting to meet all of the people that I, that I've met through this, um, and, and hearing their stories, you know, from, from Ryan Beckman, who who is a public educator, um, to uh, Holly Crawford is she she has her own um, store that she 
develops and sells Disney inspired merchandise and, and she lives close to Disneyland. So she's kind of the, the Disneyland, the resident Disneyland expert and things like that. It's so fun talking to all of these people. And so one outcome of this book is I hope that continues um, that, that we can, you know, I can talk to people, people can, can converse with each other and, um, this is another aspect or another avenue for Disney fans to connect and, and further kind of relate to each other. Um, there's also there there's also a Facebook group for being a fan of Disney that that focuses on the class. And um, I'll start putting more information about the book and the podcast in there as well. So all of that is people can search for that um, on different social media channels. Multiple avenues for engagement. Um, and And I like how this can serve as a conduit, if you will, uh, for, for more folks to engage with one another, to engage with you and to, to recognize the, the shared community that uh, we're all part of. So Cody, such a pleasure to talk with you again, and congratulations on the release of being a fan of Disney, the book. Yes. Thank you, Brett. This is, this is a lot of fun. Um, I love talking to you. Uh, and, and we have, we have future things to, to talk about on, on, um, the being a fan of Disney, the podcast as well. Um, so, so be, be, um, be standing by your email because we'll definitely have more things to talk about in the future. So thank you so much, Brett. I like plan. Thank you, Cody. Have a great day. And thank you again to Dr. Cody Havard for joining me on Notably Disney to talk about being a fan of Disney, the book. Clearly you can tell Cody invests his passion and insights into the class he forms, the podcast he hosts, and now ultimately this book as well. So I hope you all check it out. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at Reports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N Reports and be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.